Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. For this week's topic, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the ending of the current travel mask mandates by the United States TSA. This week, I am visiting gorgeous Charleston, South Carolina for the AASHTO GIST conference, and it's the first time I've been in an airport since the inception of COVID-19 without a mask on. While extremely weird feeling, I must admit it was slightly liberating. Perhaps even a good sign that the world is seemingly getting back to normal. On Monday, April 19th, federal judge Catherine Kimball Mizell in Florida found that the current travel mask mandates are unconstitutional and not fitting based on currently available data made to the public. Quickly following the ruling, the TSA announced that they would no longer enforce the mandatory mask guidelines at airports and other transportation hubs. Additionally, private companies such as Southwest Airlines and the ride-sharing app Uber have also hopped on the bandwagon of getting rid of the current rules for their businesses. While this is exciting news for anyone who travels for a living like me, I would still caution everyone to not throw health, safety, and prudence to the wind. If you are immunocompromised or are around extremely vulnerable populations, COVID-19 and other airborne pathogen mitigation tactics are still encouraged. Wash your hands, make healthy decisions for you and your loved ones, and help us all stay healthy. Travel safe, my geoholic friends, and I hope to see your smiling face soon. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Welcome back, Geoholics, episode 125, if you can believe that. So get this, we just officially eclipsed the 75,000 listener mark. So first of all, wow. in incredibly humbling. Thank you to each and every one of you that uh, have, uh, have given us an opportunity. We really appreciate that. And I can confidently say that we are making an impact on the various GMATICS professions and beyond, to be honest with you. Um like I say, I, I am just absolutely humbled by the momentum that the show has gotten. And again, we can't thank our listeners enough. And with that said, I've had a number of folks actually reach out and ask how they can support the show. So we, we have multiple options and a couple of those options are, well, three of those options. One is you can become a friend of the program, which is a sponsor of the show. You can become Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and become a patron of the show for like as little as like five bucks a month or whatever. Um, and if you do that, the bonus there is you get a Geoholics fan pack that includes all the swag that we have, including a hat, t-shirt, blah, 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 tons of really cool stuff. And then the third way you can become a supporter of the show is uh, send us whiskey. We're fine with that. <laughs> we are absolutely fine with that. And speaking of whiskey, Connor, I have a surprise gift for you. Oh, boy. You, you are not expecting this. I'm going to have you open it live. Oh, who is? So Chicago Bob, who's my stepfather, yeah, made this for you. Oh. 
So oh, wow. I'll, I'll open it up and you have to show show the folks. We'll post pictures so people can see what it is. Uh-oh, his hands are shaking. He's nervous. I'm super nervous. He has no idea what he's about <laughs> to get into. The, he wraps this with care, too. Oh, the guy awesome. is amazing. Oh, spells the name right. You have... This is awesome. Pretty cool. This is Bob. Bob's his name? Yep. Stepfather. Oh, well, thank you, Bob. Yep, Chicago Bob. Chicago Bob. This is... This is going to be, I, do you actually use this as a drinking glass? Uh, yeah, you got to keep it at the studio and drink whiskey out of it. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. Pretty that's so. dangerous. <laughs> that is a dangerous move. Oh, boy. So anyways, I knew you'd be really excited about that. He was uh, super stoked to get it to you. So he's been working on it the last couple of weeks. Well, thank you, Bob. I, 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 You know what? Wait until you send a picture. It's going to probably be the biggest smile in a while <laughs> on my face. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad you like it. All right. So we've got another great show this week, Tim Hawthorne. Hawthorne and GeoBuzz are uh, going to be the topics, and I can't wait to get to all the exciting news and updates here in just a minute. But before we get to that, let's pay some bills. Connor, tell us about the opening number first and foremost. Well, you know, Friends in Low Places was not the song, but it's done by the same artist, Garth Brooks. Ain't going down till the sun comes up. What a great title for a song. Uh, Garth Brooks is an American country singer and songwriter. Brooks is one of the world's best-selling music artists, having sold more than 170 million records. As of 2020, he is the best-selling solo album artist in the United States with 156 million domestic units sold, ahead of Elvis Presley, and is second only to the Beatles in total album sales overall. Brooks was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame on October 21st, 2012. He was also introduced into the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum in 2016 with his studio musicians, the G-Men. On March 4th of 2020, Brooks received the Library of Congress. I don't even know what type of prize that is for popular (laughs) song, and I'm not even going to try to say Gershwin. Gershwin Perfect, perfect. Dude, that's your best read yet. Wow, I've like, been practicing on yes, something. I can tell the level of confidence mm-hmm. is I mean, gone up tenfold. Reading's still hard. Nicely done. <laughs> so to avoid any copyright conflicts or anything like that, that version of the song that we played is actually by a cover band called Brooks Jefferson. And the reason is Garth, Garth is one of those guys that doesn't have his music on Spotify and stuff like that, and that's all I really use is Spotify. So I had to use the next best thing, which is Brooks Jefferson. Still a, uh, a great song, no doubt about it. Uh, we're back in the Diamondback Lancer Bank studio. Great to be hanging out with you all tonight. Before we go any further, I have to point out that the lovely Peta Cox is our co-host this evening. So thanks for being here, Peta. We appreciate that. Hello. Good evening. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. It's nice to be back. Yeah, good to have you. And uh, mm. our listeners are going to notice uh, a couple changes going forward, positive for for, for good reasons. Um, we're going to have probably more guest co-hosts, depending on who the guest is. You know, our co-host is going to be complimentary to that guest. And of course, Shoots is uh, always going to be around um, making... Um, guest appearances, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really cool and value adding, of course. Shout out to this week's highlighted friend of the program. Peter, are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Let's see if I can do as well as Connor did. So our friends of the program is Safety Apparel. Matthew Stansbury and Safety Apparel are reinventing Safety Apparel with the highest quality materials and most functional and versatile vests the safety industry has ever seen. Safety Apparel offers ANSI CSA compliant high visibility survey and construction vests and reflective traffic control gloves, hats, stickers, and patches. 
They can also provide you with your company logo and other designs on the vest, shirts, jackets, etc. With many applications, options including but not limited to silkscreen, sub, sublimation, get that one, patches, embroidery and heat transferred images, they can provide your company with the clothing and art you need to look sharp and professional. Send them an email at info at safetyapparel.us with your safety needs and they will do you their best to get you headed in the right direction. And Matthew Stansbury, stand-up guy. Yes, Yep, he's, he's, he's the guy behind Safety Apparel. He's doing some great things. The quality mm. of, uh, of you know, the items that he puts out is, uh, is definitely second to none. So I'd highly, highly recommend that you reach out to him for any of your safety wear needs. And definitely mention you're a geoholic for those deep, deep discounts. Hopefully that's true. Otherwise, he's going to get mad at me. Um, what do you think? Okay, let's do this. Let's do the, <laughs> I'm going to call it the Liquid Death Weekly Words of Wisdom. Liquid Death is one of our new friend of the program. Uh, Liquid Death Weekly Words of Wisdom. So this is a, a quote that's near and dear to my heart for reasons I will share here in just a minute. One of the greatest values of mentors is the ability to see ahead what others cannot see and to help them navigate a course to their destination. And that quote uh, was by John C. Maxwell, of course, author, speaker, and pastor. And uh, not to bring the mood down here, but uh, I found out today that my my first and most influential mentor, who I've mentioned a number of times on the show, Ed Reader, uh, passed away a couple weeks ago, actually. And, uh, you know, that said, cheers to you, Ed, first and foremost. And for those of you listening, if you don't have a drink in your hand right now, perfectly understandable. But next time you do, do me a favor and raise a glass to Mr. Reader. I wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't for him. So with that, uh, Connor, anything new with you, my friend, since the last time we spoke? Yeah. Uh, What about last night? And the sun's playing. I know, I know horrible. that this is this is going to be released on horrible. a Sunday, but like, what the heck happened? I mean, I mean, now I'm a little nervous with book being out for game two and three potentially. Yep. So, um, no, not not nothing too much. Just been watching a lot of sports. Been doing the dog dad thing. You know, I got a two year old golden retriever at home, so she uh, she loves when I'm home, and I do a lot of things on the weekend with her. That's awesome. Um, have some friends coming into town this weekend, uh, celebrated the one and only Eric Arlotti's birthday from Alta. So, uh, that was fun last weekend, but yeah, not nothing too much. What about you? Myself? Um, not much to be honest with you. I, uh, I'm still reeling a little bit from the news today about, uh, about Ed passing away, to be honest with you. It's got me a little distracted. Um, so other than that, you know, just not a whole lot busy as busy as hell. Can't find enough good people. Although we've, we've got a couple, uh, a couple of young studs, coming into the uh, the Alta family here in the near future, what I'm really excited about. So yeah, be things, exciting. Things are looking up. Uh, Peter, how about you? You have a uh, you have a big right. conference coming up this weekend, right? I do have. Well, yes, this afternoon I'm heading off to Orange, which is uh, regional New South Wales, where we go to the Country Surveyors Conference mm-hmm. and all the Country Surveyors get together and present, present, and I get to talk about my academy and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a while. Super exciting. So you you know I'm yeah. going to ask you about country mm-hmm. surveyors. So you have <laughs> do you have country surveyors and city surveyors? How does it work in uh, Australia, or at least in New one South drives Wales? a Tesla and one drives a Ford? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not quite. Uh, yeah, no, we just have different areas of of the surveyors where they get together and 
we're, we're such New South Wales itself is such a big area f- for us anyway. So we have the city surveyors that they're working on different types of things to what the country surveyors are and that mm. stuff like that. So different areas get together. Yeah. Awesome. It. That'll be exciting. Mm. I'm really looking forward to it. Catching up face to face with surveyors and going to the pub and having a drink. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's what uh, surveyors yeah. do, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Let's get on with this. Our guest this evening, as I mentioned, is Tim Hawthorne, and he's going to tell us everything we need to know about GeoBus. There's a lot of big Mm. updates since the last time he was on. I believe it was episode 99, 99. which seems like an an eternity ago, but... uh, Mm. Wow. Um, we're, we're glad to have him back. And just to remind everybody a little bit here about Tim, he was born in Pittsburgh and he uh, became a geographer early by living in uh, Pennsylvania, Calif- California, West Virginia, and Ohio as a kid. Uh, he attended Ohio Wesleyan for his bachelor's, West Virginia University for his master's, and the Ohio State University for his PhD. He loves uh, building Legos with his kids, running, biking, going to the beach, writing poetry. Uh, he is the 2022 National Geographic Explorer and Associate Professor for GIS at UCF, and of course, founder of Geobus, uh, which launched officially just last month. So that's why there's some big news coming up. He has mentored so many amazing students across the U.S. and Belize, of all places. Uh, He recently, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I saw this on LinkedIn today, uh, was Mm. awarded the UCF Teaching Incentive Program Award. So we're definitely going to find out more about that. So Tim, hey, Thanks for being here. Welcome back to the Geoholics. I can't wait to uh, to have this conversation. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm happy to be here. And I guess what? This is century number two then of the, the Geoholics podcast, oh, yeah. the episode 125. I'm excited to be here in the, the next uh, next round of uh, podcasts. So yeah, welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, you are welcome anytime, my friend. So let's, let's just kind of recap just a little bit. Um, I know we've spent a lot of time on this in the past episode 99, but let's just kind of summarize What's what was the steps to getting GeoBus to finally uh, hitting the road in February? Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, first go back and listen to episode ninety nine. It yeah. was awesome, lots of fun. But um, the quick recap, so we don't bore everybody that already listened to that and remembers it. Yep. Um, the the big thing um, with GeoBus, it was built by a ton of partnerships, right? So you know, I just kind of sat back and watched all this. The magic happened. We had. A bus company donate a city bus we turned that into a bus that basically we ripped out all the seats put in a mobile lab we put in uh tables from home depot right we put in um tv mounts big screens an augmented reality sandbox um, a coding robot table you name it it's in there and then the coolest thing is we we actually got it to the point where the lab itself when we pull into a school would be the bus will be turned off and then we flip on the solar and so it's all solar powered wow. Um, while it's at the schools. So our friends, um, you have friends of the programs. We have friends of GeoBus. We call them drivers of change. Shout mm. out to 15 Light Years, a local company here in Florida led by the amazing UCF alum, Lisa Piercy. Um, they donated that entire solar setup to support the kids here in Florida. Uh, it's just incredible. So just a lot of sweat equity, a lot of partnerships just coming together, donating things and time to make this dream happen. Um, and so we got that mobile lab. It's on a 40 foot city bus. You would not recognize that old bus. It's now a uh, uh, really awesome, just tech savvy uh, mobile learning lab for kids here in Florida. 
Man, congratulations. Um, what, so how long was that process in the making before it officially hit the road? Oh my gosh, that process. Okay, so this is gonna this is gonna sound crazy. So the first time I uttered the word geobus was in a presentation in 2018 in October. Um, and then we got the bus in 2019 and then we kind of had a bit of a stall. We were kind of get some partners on board. Uh, we got the bus wrapped, we got the seats out. And then of course, what happened COVID, right? So we kind of had about a, a year and a, almost a year and a half of kind of waiting. And then we got the bus back on campus back in um, late May of, of 2021. Mm -hmm. And since then we've been in warp speed construction mode. So I think when when we last spoke on episode 99, we were just about, or, or probably had just wrapped up um, the build. And, and then we launched officially on February 26th with our partner event. And then since then we've had a couple of events that have been just, just incredible. Yeah. So talk about that. What has the reception been like? Oh my gosh. So, well, firstly, when we had that, you know, we had our first event, it was our, we called it the drivers of change event. So it was just our friends, right? We had about 80 folks there families, friends, um, partners that kind of made it happen. So those were the people we knew were going to be excited. They were giddy. They got to see what they helped build. So that event was just a lot of gratitude, a lot of thanks. Everyone was pumped. Then what happened next was really cool. We had um, what's called STEM Day here at UCF, um, Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math Day, where local kids from elementary, middle, and high schools come to UCF and just get to explore what science is all about. So they invited us at the last minute because they heard we were ready. And so we're like, oh, sure, why not? We'll come. We've, we've come before without the bus. So we were really excited to be a part of it. Park the bus on the end of like our nice grassy big oval on campus. Um, and we're sort of in the schedule, but it was more um, just kind of there and, and see what would happen. Um, we expected about 100 people. We ended up serving about 300, 300 people that day. Um, it wow. was it was so much fun. Just, you know, kids coming in, the teachers coming in, all the teachers like basically turning into kids, like taking selfies, um, getting psyched about the tech and just really into it. So we had that. Um, that was a big one. And then the very next day we had a, a smaller event, a teacher workshop with about 25 teachers um, <laughs> where we just kind of brainstormed, showed them what we were all about, um, provided them with like priority access to scheduling and the future events for the fall. And just got them excited about the content and had a brainstorming session as well. So those have been the, the first two events on the agenda. And then we've got some ones coming up starting next week as well. We've got um, an eco night at one of the local schools. And then we've got several events planned out in May as well. So we're just, we're pumped. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I can hear in your voice. And, uh, you know, of course, I can see on the video just how excited you are about this. And, uh, uh, the, you know, the passion obviously was recognizable the last time we had you on, but man, oh man, you just, you just, you're so excited. I love it. Oh, I'm pumped. I mean, I'm a parent myself. I've got three young kids. I got a fifth grader, a second grader and a four-year-old. So I, I get it. I mean, I see the value of what, you know, bringing these technologies can be early on to kids. And I see how much teachers, especially with COVID and us kind of coming back from the pandemic and all that nonsense, right? we're finally at a stage where we're welcomed back into the schools without the restrictions that we had before. And so teachers are just, they're chomping at the bit waiting to have, you know, UCF and others come, come to campus with these kinds of activities. So we're just, we're just thrilled and, and sharing that energy with the teachers that are doing great stuff here for science and the local communities we serve. Yeah. That's so awesome. Peter, did you have some? Yeah. I was just um, talking about having that, that teacher's day. I saw that then. And, it's like, are you getting to a point that you have to, 
you have to stop people like you're getting too much influx into the interest in it because it looks like it's just absolutely taking off which is awesome um how are you accommodating everybody yeah so oh thanks for thanks for saying that peter um so here's the thing we haven't really done like our big media day there's going to be a Mm -hmm. big media kickoff with local news and all that through ucf and their media team um, we've been just doing our own promotion so far with our email lists and, you know, all the stuff you see on social media for me and our team. Um, and I have to tell you that, so I am completely overwhelmed in the best possible way. We have a wait list now of about 8,000 kids, wow. across 45 schools. And that's just from like our internal network emailing and social mm-hmm. media stuff. We haven't had, you know, the big, the big marketing push. So um, I think it's going to be big. <laughs> um, we're really excited really? about it. And, and kind of the way we, we're thinking, we're actually thinking about the second bus. We just found out about a week ago that we are going to be getting a second bus from our bus partner. So we're awesome. already in the planning stages for building bus number two to help meet that demand. Um, oh, that's so, awesome. Uh, yeah. But, you know, in terms of I'm the worst emailer in the world. So scheduling is is to me a nightmare. But the excitement that we're seeing from, you know, the teachers and the kids and the emails and we've asked some of the schools um, as they kind of propose like a, a site visit. Um, we've asked them to write like 100 words of why they want us to come to the school. So we're seeing just some really great, you know, exciting, energizing responses. And then some of the schools have um uploaded optional videos we haven't shared these yet but um it's incredible like the creativity of like how they're trying to get us to come to their schools just you can see the kids are excited uh the teachers are equally excited and just everybody's ready to roll with this thing so we're, we're really pumped to get out on the road with the bus pun intended <laughs> so the response you've received so far is it does it exceed your expectations or is it about what you had expected so um, I have pretty lofty expectations, but I think this has exceeded it um, just because, you know, with the pandemic, you don't really know, right? You don't really know what to expect. You don't, you know, Florida's kind of a little different. I mean, we, we know um, Florida is a, a very unique state in the union, but um, what, what I have found with, with kind of the response is I was really worried about when we were kind of launching. We launched way later than we wanted. We were thinking we were going to launch before the holidays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, November-ish around GIS Day, and then we had some more delays. And so, you know, launching in late February, early March with state testing and all that kind of stuff, end of the year, we thought there wouldn't be a lot of response early on, completely blown us away by that. Just, it's it's unreal. Like to know that we have seven, 8,000 kids on a wait list is just, is, is just amazing. Yeah, that is amazing for sure. It kind of makes me think about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Boy Scout Survey Merit Badge. And no, not a lot of people know that this even exists. And gosh, I don't know, five or six years ago, I went to the, the local, I don't know, regional Boy Scout um, director and said, what's going on with the, the Boy Scout merit badge? Like, well, nobody's offered it for like 20 years. I'm like, well, we want to offer it. So long story short, we did that. And next thing you know, anytime they offered the merit badge, there was like a waiting list a mile long, which was I mean, it was amazing. It was super exciting, but it just goes to show you that again, it's just getting the word out there about, you know, what we do and you know, what, what you and your team are doing there, Tim is just, it's, it's incredible. And speaking of your team, I mean, obviously it's not just you that is making this happen. How, how do you, how, how was this all coordinated? What, what does the collaboration look like? Yeah. So firstly, as you might guess, there's no blueprint for building a geobus. So, you know, that was, there is now, you don't say, yeah, there is now, it's coming your way. Um, 
But I mean, the big thing was, you know, like I said, there was no blueprint. So just bringing a bunch of people together from everything from like, how the heck do you get tables onto a bus to, you know, how do you mount a TV on a bus, right? Like all these different things where, you know, I have just this amazing team of students that we work with from all different disciplines. We've got engineers, sociologists, biologists, you, know, you name it, we probably have a student from that major on the team. And what was cool is they all bring a different kind of mindset and idea mm. of what we might do. And so really like literally just sitting around the table, whether it was on Zoom or in our lab in person, and just like this, talked it through, like how, how are we gonna put this together? And then just kind of ideated for weeks and, and kind of put it together. So I think that was the first thing is just the interior excitement from our internal student team really helped make the dream work. And then, you know, the hard days like painting on the weekends at 6 a.m. before we had air conditioners on the bus to get done before noon, right? We did, we did all that labor ourselves. We worked with a local RV company, um, traveling RV technicians here that, mm. um, you know, they didn't flinch when I said we wanted to convert a city bus into a mobile lab. They were like, we don't know how to do it, but we'll help you because they love, you know, they love the idea of working with kids and teachers. Uh, and that was it, right? Like every time we talked to a partner, that was the response. It was like, this is for the kids. Yeah. We'll make it work. We don't quite know how to work, but we'll make it work, right? You know, and same with our solar company, 15 Light Years. I mean, when when we approached Lisa and the crew there, they didn't even flinch. It was like, all right, we've never done a bus before. We've done some trucks. We've done some floating solar on ponds, that kind of thing. We do buildings, homes, mm. but like, we're in, right? Because it's about the kids. And that overwhelmingly has been the response. I mean, I could get laughed out of the room when I talk about this stuff, but people get excited because they're supporting something they know will be big. It'll help support kids, get them excited about science and about our career fields. Future generations. Yeah, absolutely. So what do yeah. your kids yeah. think? My kids. So they are amazing. They, they, um, I called my, uh, my two oldest Elizabeth and, and Aiden, um, the CYOs, the chief youth officers, That's they are awesome. my testers, right? So <laughs> I it. think it's a great idea. I bring them to the bus and they tell me, you know what, dad, that idea sucks, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> or that thing's amazing. They let me know, right? So, so they have been integral to this. I mean, they've helped like choose the paint colors. They've helped choose some of the activities. They're just, they're totally into it. And what was crazy is the one day my Elizabeth, my second grader, she comes to the bus after it's done, right? Right. It was like the week before Christmas, we've got the interior graphics in, it looked amazing. And she comes to the bus and she goes, dad, who built this? Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, where you been? Like, <laughs> we were we were doing this. <laughs> and she did, it was just mind blowing to see the kids respond to it. I'm just really, really grateful as a dad to be a part of this too. Yeah. Well, that's speak. So, that's awesome. Speaking of the kids, I mean, what what has that reaction been like when they, when they're in you know entering the bus for the first time and seeing this technology and putting their hands in the you know the the virtual sandbox? What what is that like? Oh my gosh! I mean, I think it, the best way I would describe it is sensory overload, right? It's just so many cool things. It's you know, like in your candy store, it's like what do you want to kind of play with first and experience? And I think the overwhelming thing that everybody gravitates towards is the AR sandbox. Mm -hmm. I mean, these things are amazing. Yep, they're so interactive. Um, so that's the one. That's where our kind of busiest spot and buildup is in the bus. The VR goggles. We have some Oculus Two goggles mm. with like um, different VR stuff from Nat Geo and Ecosphere that kids are looking at. Um, that's another really popular one. We got a giant 55-inch uh, interactive geo visualization wall from Vibe. Um, that's another big one. We've got like Arc Online and some other mapping platforms. Um, we got another friend of your show, the the Bad Elf crew, donated some GPS units. So we've got the handheld 
um, you know, necklace kind of GPS units that go with our iPads as well. Nice. Just the kids are into it. They're, they're really psyched about it. They, they just come in, they want to get, get going with it. And, and what's really fun, like we thought about like, oh, what are the instructions? Like, how are they going to use this? Are they going to understand it? They don't need that stuff. They're ready to go. I mean, kids are, kids are amazing. You just give them the tools and, you know, kind of get out of their way. Yeah. I don't think you could have said any better than that. No doubt about it. So Tim, you talked like, is it the students that are, that are volunteering on the bus when you've got these kids coming in? And so our students, so most of our students are um, paid students on our different research grants and our different education foundation accounts as well. So they're all UCF, either graduate students or undergrad students. Uh, mm -hmm. We do have a few volunteer students as well, but we do like to pay our folks uh, for sure, because they're just doing such creative, like high level work. Hmm. So you reckon you'll have enough to enough people to to run your second bus when it's up and running? Let's hope. Uh, I think we're going to have to extend. We just uh, we're in the process of hiring. Uh, we got six new students coming on board the next couple of weeks, and then we're going to be hiring some more in the fall as well. So I definitely think so. Our challenge um, is the student labor and and hiring is one challenge, but another challenge and probably the biggest challenge if you're building a bus, if you're going to build GeoBus number three, for example is the driver, finding the driver. Mm. Um, there's a national CDL driver shortage right now. We've learned from everyone wow. we talked to. Um, and we luckily found like our dream person, um, Rashid uh, Ben Kaluk. He is a student here at UCF. He's about to graduate. Um, he wants to be a physics teacher and he loves trucks. Mm. So he's like our, you know, you couldn't nice. have dreamed this person. So we've, we've luckily latched onto him and, and have him driving for the foreseeable future. But um, we're, we're definitely looking for more drivers as well. So if we got any Florida friends out there listening to the show and have CDLs, call me. We'd love to talk. Wow. Well, Kent, weren't you going to, weren't you going to drive the bus at one stage? You need to go and get your license. I, I, yeah, I do. I got to work on that. I, I had no <laughs> idea right. there was can, a shortage. You can, start, of... you, can, you can start May 11th when you come down. So there you go, Kent. So, I mean, the obvious question I have for you, Tim, is you've, you've got this one up and going learning or knowing now what you didn't know when you started it. Um, how much time are you going to save to get the second one up and going? Oh my gosh. I was just talking about this the other day with our team. I think half the time easily, wow. easily. I mean, because, you know, like I was saying, like, even like those, those tables that we eventually found at home Depot, you know, just like Husky workbenches, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That took us, yeah. I mean, that, it was right there in front of me the whole time yet. It took us probably two, three months to kind of figure it out after talking to different vendors and dealers that were just astronomically priced. Yeah. Um, so just like little stuff like that, like finding a painter that could help us talk about the kind of paint to use, right? Like all that stuff. I mean, you know, you cut out half the time right there, just in the planning, yeah. um, as well. So I can promise you, if we get this bus this summer, we'll have it up and running in the fall. Absolutely. Oh, wow. That fast, huh? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So how, how do you, I mean, obviously this costs money to build this bus. How has that, uh, taken place? Do you have like corporate donors or, you know, paint that picture a little bit for us. Yeah. So our partners have driven this whole thing. I mean, I think in terms of like cash on hand, we don't have a lot of cash. So if you have any friends of the show that are interested in partnering for the kids, we'd love to chat. We have a foundation account that um, at this stage, all of that money is going to go directly to support schools, particularly high need schools that, you know, really can't, can't afford this stuff. So um, that's one way to kind of help um, through partnerships. But to this point, to build it. I mean, the biggest thing is people just donating their labor. 
donating their parts. Like I said, the, the solar alone, that, that gift is astronomical and what it mm. would have cost us, yet it was donated with no cost to us by the solar company. I mean, they threw in the panels, right? The inverter, the batteries, the racks on the roof, the, the, they did all of our wiring for new outlets in the wall, right? Um, all that stuff was done for free. Um, you know, a lot of the technology, we had a lot of the technology from our other work that we've already been doing. So like mini drones, we had a bunch of those. Um, you know, we had a company like Bad Elf that donated GPS units. So a lot of, a lot of companies just stepped up uh, with donations of licenses or small amounts of technology. So that was a huge amount of savings right there. Um, and then like one of the biggest costs that would have cost us a ton was from the bus company itself. So the bus was one thing, mm -hmm. but um, like ripping out all the seats, that would have cost a few thousand dollars. They did that for free. Oh wow. um, They donated a bunch of maintenance stuff, um, you know, as we kind of went um, early on in the project as well. They also um, donated the um, wrapped graphics on the outside as well, which was like four or 5,000 bucks alone. So, you know, all that stuff that adds up, but it, it didn't cost us a whole lot because we had so many amazing partners. And again, I think the key was, it wasn't for us, it was for the kids, right? Like when you say this is gonna benefit, mm -hmm. you know, 10,000 kids a year, that kind of thing. That's just when people's eyes light up and they know they wanna get behind something like that. Yeah, for sure. Lots I remember of change. Yeah, no doubt. Did you have something else? Mm. Peter, you want in? Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's okay. I just thought you had something. Um, and I, I think this kind of goes along. I remember a quote. I don't know. What was it? It was like, we versus me. That was something mm. that stuck out or still sticks out in my mind from the first time we talked to you. Um, expand on that just a little bit. Yeah. So I think in the context of that conversation, we were talking about like science and like mm -hmm. what I yep. love about science and the idea of like the, the we versus me, that idea of the team, right? Like, and the GeoBus is a great example. I mean, I came up with this idea from listening, going to conferences, talking to folks in industry and thinking, what can we do? And, you know, it went from an idea from talking to people to a, a huge thing because of all the additional people that kind of came on board to work with us. Right. And so the idea that we versus me is just, you know, when you all come together to do something crazy, you know, it happens, right? Like yeah. all those folks that could have laughed me out of the room, they didn't laugh us out of the room, right? They, they supported us, they encouraged us, you know, whether it was with their time, talents or treasures, they, they helped make it happen. And so um, that we versus me, like I was telling you about that um, drivers of change partners event in February, when we launched the bus, that was just like, you know, I'll use the word magical. It was a magical day because you know, you had a teacher that was there that talked about lesson plans with us at the beginning. You had a bus company rep there that was talking about the bus, right? Like all these people from all these different walks of life that never met, but they all had this commonality and to get them all talking, it was really cool to watch just the excitement of folks coming together about that, that big idea. So that's, that's the we versus me thing, right? If we do yeah. it together, we can do something amazing. And that, I think this is what that is. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that quote. That's awesome. So what's your what's your end goal right now? Now that you've got this one on the road, you know, you're talking about GeoBus number two there in Florida is the vision to have, and I have to believe it is one of these in every state, at least at a minimum. Oh, that would be incredible. So I want 10 in five years to start. So 10 that's in five it. years. So, so Geoholics, friends of the show out there, 10 more. Let's do it, right? Let's get those 10 in the next five years, um, we, we've got the trademark, we've got all awesome. the kind of, you mentioned the blueprints. I mean, I don't know if we have official blueprints, but we have all that um, kind of tucked away in our files and stuff like that. So we can help make this happen. We think, we think, think, think we might have our third coming up in uh, Northern California in a place I won't name yet, but uh, 
we think that's going to happen. And then I know we got a couple others chomping at the bit in some other spots. I know friends of your show reached out um, about one out West as well. So, um, you know, at least 10 more in the next five years, I would love to have one in every state. I think that would be amazing. I think there's an appetite for this out there. Um, I'll say this in the folks I've talked to so far, I think it's not that people don't want to do it. I think it's, they don't know where to start with Mm, it or they're afraid it's it's too big. It'll Mm -hmm. fail, that kind of thing. And I think the key going back to the we versus me, if you find the partners, you can make it happen, right? Like I just had a call a week ago with a group that wanted to do one and they were starting, they were talking about like the bosses. They're like, they love it, but they have questions. And one was, where's it going to park? Who's going to drive it? What kind of insurance do you need? And what I said was, it was like, those are the same questions we got at the beginning from my amazing university. And what I told them was, those aren't the questions to start with, right? Like those are, those are details. You can work all that out, right? Think about the bigger picture. So for your listeners that are thinking about this, just do it, right? Like go all in, like get that team together and make it happen because you can do it. We, we didn't think we could do it, but we got it done. If we can do it, you can do it. So let's use uh, PETA as an example. Let's say she wanted to get a geobus going in Australia. What, what would be her first step? Oh my gosh. All right. So <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something about this. So everyone thinks it's the bus, right? And I'll tell you, I thought the bus was going to be the hardest thing. I think the bus, getting the actual bus was actually one of the easiest parts of this process. Hmm. I think the hardest thing is, is just getting all those partners together and putting it out there and, and just getting those folks in a room talking. Um, you know, the, the, I mentioned, you mentioned about like, if we did the second bus, how long would it take? And, you know, would we save time? And I think the hardest part for anyone starting this is just, you know, if you get 10 different partners in the room that are donating their time or their, their company's labor or tech or whatever, um, you just got so many different timelines, you can't control them, right? So it's, it's recognizing that, you know, partner one's going to come in in January, partner two might be in February. And if one of them is late, it kind of delays everything. So I think, you know, getting people talking early, trying to get a timeline in order and just getting that buy-in is I think the key to start is getting all those partners in the room and, and, and finding people that, you know, I know this sounds corny and cliche, but finding people that you just know when you meet them, they want to do it for the right reasons, right? Like we've turned some people away because you can tell they're not in it for the right reasons. They, they want like the glory, right? They want the uh, good PR, but they're not in it really for the kids. Like, you know, yeah. when you meet somebody, you know, I mean, you know, Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when you find those people, you just latch on and you say, let's go, let's do this. And then you find their friends and you get them in the room and you just make it happen. And that's, I think, yeah. my biggest advice. I think um, where you're going with that as well is that, you know, I being from the education background, I've always had surveyors complaining about things not going right or, you know, things we need more people or, you know, that we need more, more students or whatever it may be. And they sit there and they complain and complain and complain, but they don't do anything about it. And so you need those people and, you know, stop complaining, get involved. So I get up there now when I go to conferences and say, if you want change, come and join me. I'm happy to run it, but I can't do it without you with industry. And it's amazing how many people actually come up to you later and say, I'm really interested. How, what can we do? How can I change? Well, how can I be involved? So that's, yeah. And you're right with the people, you can tell the ones that really want to be involved or ones that just want to get their name in there for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you I'd know, love to do a bus in Australia. <laughs> oh, let's make it happen. I'm in. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely come out. We'll make it happen. We'll bring, <laughs> we'll bring Kent and Connor will help you out. We'll do it. 
I'm curious to know like how you can tell like if somebody like or like what are they looking for then if if it's not for the kids I mean it seems pretty centric around just I think the people kids. can become selfish you know oh yes not in it for the right reasons interesting yeah, yeah. unfortunately but yeah I, I, yeah, I, I, I you know I think the other part of it too is like with with the kids like getting kids involved and 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 not forgetting the teachers here too i mean this mm-hmm. is something early on like we had a lot of interest from industry um but we also had a really great teacher network and one of our teacher friends she was great um and she said it in the nicest way possible she's like don't forget us right like uh-huh. don't wait till the end like we want to know what's up when you start and so there was a lot of involvement from our teacher network to help make sure you know, we were building the right things. We were connecting it to state content standards because we could build this amazing thing. But if it doesn't help with the testing standards in the in the state of Florida, you know, it's it's it can't be done in the schools. It's you know, then it's just like a Saturday or an after school event um, as well. So connecting it to the educational standards of Florida and the next um, generation science standards as well was key um, as well. Do you see it like, you know, I guess I'm just thinking out loud here, but you know, right now it sounds like it's you know, combination of publicly and privately funded. Um, like I, I envision this being like a, a franchise opportunity. Like somebody can do a GeoBus franchise. Is that, is that completely crazy or is that something you've thought about? Yeah. That, so that was part of the reason that um, me and UCF secured the trademark early on for GeoBus was yep. the notion that we kind of knew we had something that we thought others would want to do here in the U.S., um, and hopefully beyond um, as well. And so getting that trademark kind of protects that brand um, in some senses. So I don't know if we'd quite call it a franchise um, because we're not really looking to get rich here. We're looking to, you know, pay the bills and, and stimulate interest. And we don't want a price tag to, you know, a franchise tag to, to kill the creativity of like startups like ourselves kind of doing this stuff. So there definitely is that opportunity to franchise and kind of grow, but not in like the you know, break the bank kind of franchise mold that that we're thinking of when we think about big business. I think I think it's the the making sure that if if it is going to happen and wherever it's going to happen that it kind of follows the same pattern and 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 is doing it the right way for the right reasons as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. for us, you know, it's 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 finding those passionate folks that mm-hmm. you know they get in a school they're not going to. Um, you know, you were talking, Peta, about those those professionals at conferences that kind of complain, complain, complain. If mm-hmm. you get those folks in front of a bunch of school kids, they're never going to want to be in our career field, right? And so, no. finding those passionate, passionate geospatial tech and geomatics folks that are just, you know, they light up a room, they get you excited about what they do. Those are the folks we want in front of the kids because they're going to respond to that energy. Yeah, we just did a diversity day uh, here in Sydney and getting school kids to come to Sydney and uh, play with the equipment, do some little exercises and things like that. And this is our third year that we did it and getting um, younger surveyors involved in it because we've got all these great old, older guys (laughs) as they are in surveying, um, always willing to help and volunteer their time and stuff. But it's like, okay, we need to get these younger kids enthused. So we've had to start finding younger surveyors to be able to come in and start doing this stuff and and so that they can relate more to these kids and get them excited about about wanting to come into the industry it's it's that change of age unfortunately yeah for sure and th- there are a lot of people doing a lot of really cool things yes. you know just like geobus mm-hmm. um 
but and it, it is making a difference. There's no doubt about it. I'm I'm seeing it make a difference. There are more. I'm seeing more younger faces at events. Like mm. we were at the you know the Western Region Survey Conference here. What three four weeks ago. It's all a blur at this point, but yeah. um, <laughs> but who knows? But it was amazing. Like, they had, I, <laughs> yeah, there's 900 plus uh, attendees at this conference, which is fantastic. And I am Crazy. used, to, and it's been over two years since I've been to an in-person uh, conference, you know, such as that. And what I'm used to seeing in the past is just you know a lot of you know gray haired mm-hmm. you know crotchety old surveyors that don't really want to talk and are not <laughs> outgoing and you know, blah, blah, blah. It's changing. It really is. I mean, we still have to do a hell of a lot more, but there are a lot of younger faces out there and it was so refreshing and exhilarating to be honest with you. I left that conference with like a newfound energy for, for the profession. I really did. I'm like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know what? Things aren't great, but they're improving because of the efforts of a lot of different people. Yeah. And and, and like to your point and to Tim's point and even Peter's like, Last week's guest, if you haven't listened to last week, Keith Masbeck said to us, like, you know, mentorship is kind of like throughout the process and like reach back and like, you know, turn around and help others out because, you know, you might have just graduated college, but you can go help that senior out. And like, it's kind of to Peter's point, it's like, you know, those younger surveyors can reach reach back into the college education or whatever education mm-hmm. system and be like, Hey, mm-hmm. like I just went through what you went through. Yep. I can help you at least get a job into being a, a, a field surveyor and all these yeah. things that pull and chain and all, you no know, question. so it's interesting. I loved that comment that he made. Yeah. Always uh, mm-hmm. like reaching back and, you know, offering that hand. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was very powerful, very yeah. powerful. You know, and, 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 and that's the same thing, even like with, with our UCF students, we always talk about that is like when they have a chance to meet with a high school a middle school or an elementary student, they're, they're mentors, right? Like to be able to say mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'm from your school. I'm from your neighborhood and I'm at UCF having success as a student you can too, that, that's a hugely impactful moment. So that I think for us, like one of the value added of the bus is it's, it's staffed in part by UCF students that can inspire those kids to be, you know, UCF or other college students um, as well. So yeah, I think it's exactly what you guys were talking about a minute ago, for sure. Mm-hmm. Why do you think this bus, like, I, I just have this picture of like the geo bus being a PBS special here soon. Like I, I just, I just can't get it. Maybe it's cause it's called a bus in the magic school bus, but I'm like, I can totally see Tim rocking a PBS special here. Yeah. That would be incredible. I mean, <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's like, yeah, we're doing it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Tell your friends at PBS. Let's make it happen. I have no yeah, idea. I, yeah. I, I would love something like that. I mean, I think, you know, even like Kent was saying about like, he'll be in Florida in a few weeks. And I, one of our friends from bad elf is going to be down uh, in May, but like, yeah. Just bringing folks on the road with us. I mean, that's amazing, right? Like to, to have a visitor come to Florida and say, come check it out with us and join us at a school visit. That's huge, right? Because one, you all are going to get excited about it. You're going to be energized by it. And then the kids are going to be energized by it to see somebody from, you know, halfway across the country coming to Florida to their school to see what's happening. Um, that's, a, that's a hugely impactful moment. So, I mean, yeah, let's, let's make all mm-hmm. the specials happen and let's get everybody here with us and, and just join us on the road. So we're not going to wait until next century to have Tim on. What we're going to do is do a real <laughs> geoholic road show in a bus and do it from the geo bus. Oh my God. How amazing would that be? Are you flying me over for that one? I guess so. No question. We'll build, yeah. we'll build the geo boat. We'll get on the geo jet and then we'll build the bus. <laughs> over there. Yeah, let's do it. Oh man, we'll get a whole fleet. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll all become geoholics. There you go. 
perfect. Yeah, it all ties together. So I, you know, I, I okay, so Tim, I'm going to be uh, perfectly honest with you. First time we had you on and you were talking about this, I'm like, man, oh man, he's on to something great here. This is awesome. You know, I'm like, gosh, I just really hope he can actually get this thing off the ground. And I, and the, I had a glimmer of doubt in the back of my mind, like it would actually mm. happen, you know? Well, now you've made it happen. And I, I got to be honest with you, I am so on board with trying to expand this and you know as we've talked about you know every state should have one it's oh man what what do we do like what like if somebody listening to this and i'm sure there's going to be multiple people that are super interested in finding out more how do they what's the first step for them you know how do they do they just reach out to you directly i mean we talked about a blueprint i'm sure you had a business plan in the beginning that business plan has probably changed now because you fine-tuned it what resources are available to somebody wanting to do this yeah, so there's lots of ways. So a few things. First is you, you heard me the road the road to Geobus pun, right? So I'll use it again. So everything we do, we call it the road to Geobus. So there's a couple ways to join us on the road. The first is you know foundation um, funding support. Again, I want to stress to everybody, we built it, we bought everything we need. Now it's about um, donating these school visits to schools to cover our staffing costs and the and the maintenance costs, the gas costs, all that, right? So any sort of financial donation to our UCF Geobus Foundation account. Is going directly to those school visits so if, if we have donors out there with the means to do so we would love to chat uh, if we have any corporate sponsors out there there are you know logo placement all that kind of stuff we can make that happen um, at different levels as well so please reach out to me about that how do they interested. how do they reach out to you um so i'll send you my link you can post it in any of the social media stuff but it's um citizenscienceGIS.org slash geobus um, as well but I'll, I'll send all that out and we're on social media too um, as well. Um, so that's the first way the, the second way is, you know, maybe you're more interested in donating your time or sort of your excitement and energy that I talked about earlier. So if you're in Florida and you want to volunteer with us, that's always, you're always welcome. We always could use more exciting, energized people to join us at these school events. So that's, that's one way to help volunteer with us on these events, um, as well. Um, the second way is maybe you're like PETA and you're in Australia and you can't necessarily get here in person. Uh, we can bring in virtually, right? So there's a couple ways that can oh, happen. Oh, nice. We've got some virtual connection <laughs> options where we could connect. Uh, you know, if we have, maybe we've got an Australian class that wants to connect to a uh, Florida class, right? Mm. There's ways to do that with the bus and our vibe board and our geovisualization wall. Um, there's also something we're going to be launching in May, um, the Road to Geobus kind of story map that's going to include uh, basically like one minute video snippets of people that are doing this stuff in their career and just you know one minute video like it could be kent talking about what he does and why he's excited to do what he does and then give like a little glimmer of hope for you know hey you're the next generation of our field and here's what you can do right like those kind of messages we have found those videos really mean a lot to the kids we work with so we're going to have sort of a video of like our geobus drivers of change um, as well in this story map so that's another way um, and then the fourth way, and this one's even simpler, right? It's just do this kind of stuff on your own, whether it's building another geobus with us or with your partners, or it's something smaller, like going to a school visit, uh, you know, going to your, your kids, um, you know, science night or whatever, talking about what you do in the field. That's, I think, the most important thing anyone can do. It doesn't have to be a geobus, right? It just has to be sharing your love for what you do in this field and, and, and letting kids know it's a career path, right? I think we talked about this last time. I mean, and I'm sure many of your guests do, right? This is a field broadly, you know, geospatial tech that 
not everyone knows about at an early age, but when they get into it, they're pumped about it, right? So the sooner we can get it in the schools, the better, right? So any anyone out there listening that can make that happen, go, just do it. Like get get kids excited about this and science nights or career nights. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's amazing stuff. No, and and great advice. I'm curious, what do you see as being the most impactful to the kids? You know, it's like the kids today are way different than I was when I was that age, of course. And, um, you know, what, what do you see that is exciting kids the most? Yeah. So I said, I said this sort of earlier, a little bit earlier when I said like, we need to step back and get out of their way. And I mean that with the utmost respect to all of us who do great things, right? We need to give the kids the tools and allow them to take those tools and to solve the problems they care about. Right. So, so this tech, this like magical bus that we built, it's, it's showing kids the first step at these technologies, but then we ask them the next thing, which is, and how would you use this, right? Like, how, how would you use this at your school? How would you use this in your neighborhood, in your daily life, right? And so getting the kids excited and letting them solve problems that interest them, I think that's a really important part of this kind of work is just showing them that they can solve problems, you know, using geospatial tech, geographical thinking, that kind of thing. Um, the second thing, and I think that's really important here, is getting them in the in the field, and and I mean that in a couple of ways. One, the field more broadly, geospatial tech, but out in doing field work, yep. and showing them that they can have a career where they can go outside, right? They can they can work with community partners. I mean, my day to day, I'm ending it with you all. I started it um, drone mapping uh, water tanks and water um, utilities with Orange County Utilities and my students. Right. So that was a pretty great day. Right. Out in the field, flying drones in the Florida sun with the students. Right. So, you know, having those types of opportunity to get kids out doing field work with these technologies and that field work might be in their school grounds. Right. It might be out on the track at their school. It might be out, you know, in backwoods, Florida. It could be anywhere. Right. But just getting the kids out and using the tech um, in a way that shows them they can do it. Um, and then I think the third thing is, is just, again, empowering them, right? I think that's huge because so often we talk at kids, but we don't actually let them talk back <laughs> and we don't let them come up with the ideas. So like we were just in a, in a um, field experience out West. We were in California for a week <laughs> with four high school students and four high school teachers. We were mapping seagrass on one of our NSF grants connected to all this GeoBus work and, um, this, this one comment on the second day, we were flying phantom drones and we were mapping seagrass. We were out in the field and the student, um, Addison, she's a high school student. She looks around, we're standing on literally the San Andreas fault in Northern California, right? And this beautiful river. <laughs> and she goes, why can't every day at school be like this? Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> it, I was like, one, it can be. I was right? gonna say just it can going. be, right? Yeah. <laughs> And, and that just, it blew my mind, right? She got it, right? Because yeah. she was out in the field, she was solving problems, she was asking questions. And we, we taught them on Monday how to fly a drone. And by Wednesday, we stepped back and they were flying with us just watching, right? And that's, that's what it's all about, getting them excited and, and empowering them to use the tech and just, and just think about how they can um, use it in their research and their, and their education. Oh, I was just going to say, we talk about, you know, um, even if you're not part of the GeoBus or anything like that, getting into schools and going and, and showing them what you do and stuff. I think maybe half the problem is that um, they either don't know how to talk to younger kids or they don't know what they should do 
or how they should should show what surveying is or what geospatial or science the science or you know all that kind of stuff so I think it's about giving them the right tools to be able to go into the schools as well yeah and, let, and let's face it I mean most surveyors are probably not the most outgoing folks no. if we're talking about surveyors specifically they're not going to go yeah. and stand up in front of 600 people and talk about the uh, you know mm. the profession or whatever um, but just do something is what it boils down to you don't have to go and talk to 600 high school kids you know there's so many things that you can do to just make small impacts and all those small impacts are going to add up to, uh, you know, so, some, some big things happening. And one of the things that you mentioned there, Tim, is, uh, you know, the, the, the girl that you mentioned who was a student and, you know, she's like, you know, why can't every day be like this? And I have to have to believe that there, this effort is now rewarding in so many ways for everybody involved. You know, I can imagine like pulling up in this geo bus and having these kids come in it and like all these light bulb moments that, that you see, I mean, it's just gotta be, um, you know, incredibly rewarding. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the highlight of my professional life to this point, um, to see, you know, that light bulb moment, like you said, just seeing kids get excited about it. And, and, you know, I, I was a kid, I grew up in small rural Southern Ohio, right? So the idea of, you know, being now a national geographic explorer, like traveling all over the place, doing cool stuff. If you'd have told me that when I was like 14, I'd have told you you were nuts, right? Like I, I would have never even believed you. And so I, I remember that, like, as I sit there and I talk with kids on the geo bus, talk about what they can do, like encourage them to dream big, right? Um, it's, it's incredibly rewarding to be in that position now where I can kind of, you know, give back in some small way and, and help pay it forward. And I say that to all the students, like we talked about this, this high school kids out West last week, they were talking about how grateful they were for the experience. And I was like, you know what, you don't have to be grateful. You were here, you killed it. You did great. Now what you have to do is you have to pay it forward. So take it back to your schools and, and show everyone what you learned and get them excited about it. And they were like, we got you doc, we'll do it. And they're texting me, they're, they're emailing me, right? They're, they're sending out Instagram stuff to our page and they're doing it, right? Because that's brilliant. There was that empowerment, right? Like yeah. we got out of the way, we kept our PowerPoint slides in the lab, right? And we just got out there with the tech and, and got them going. And that's, that's the reward part of it is just, you know, being out there and seeing people excited about the tech, I think, and what they can do with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Social media. Mm. Gets it out there. Yeah, that's, well, let's let's go ahead and talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit. We know how powerful social media is. Talk about the social media uh, outlets that GeoBus has. Yeah, so we're on everything. We're on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. So it's all through um, our Citizen Science GIS group. That's our organization. And GeoBus is our K-12 through outreach part of it as well. So um, if you look, uh, Citizen Science GIS on all of those platforms, we're up there. Um, as well. And um, for those of you, you asked earlier about like blueprints for building a geobus and all that. Mm -hmm. And the, the one other big piece of advice I would have, if you are thinking about building a geobus or a geoboat or a geojet or whatever, <laughs> um, put it out there, even when you're not ready, just put it out on social media. Uh, I think I might've mentioned this last time on episode 99 is we just found so many people because they, you know, a friend of a friend you know, shared that we were building a bus and then it started a conversation. I think that's how I met, I met you guys. I met that through Nick, through yeah. Bad Elf, right? And yep. it just, it magic happens when you put an idea out there and people get excited about it because it's for the next generation of our field, right? So um, yeah, social media, I think drives what we do for sure. 
And there's so much focus now on, you know, STEM and STEAM and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I know I've, I've had experience like doing some grant writing and stuff like that in the past. There is a lot of money out there available for efforts such as this. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things too is, you know, you, you saw this um, with, you know, you started to see it a lot more with the Obama administration and then with the Trump administration and now with the Biden administration across partisan lines, mm-hmm. um, a lot of federal funding going to, um, you know, job readiness and career preparation, whether it's college or trade schools and things like that. And so I think the opening for, for us as an industry is more than ever, you're starting to see a lot of connections between the academy and industry, which maybe weren't there, say, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So I think there's a lot more funding out there now where you can say, hey, let's team up with this big industry company, right? And, you know, this K through 12 school and this, you know, UCF, right? There's, there's real magic there when you're showing the pathways from, you know, high school to college to job, right? And so I think there's just so many opportunities out there if, if you get the right people together. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, Peter, you have some? Yeah, I, I want to just ask about your um, your map that you've got with Esri that people are putting in where their school is or where you're going to be going. Is, is that going to mm. be available for everybody to see where your points are and stuff? It is, yes. I, I, I anticipated that question coming. We're going to be <laughs> launching it in May. Uh, we were waiting nice. until we had some folks on there. We now have, I think, about 45 schools on there. Um, so we're in a good position to be able to start sharing that out um, mm-hmm. as well. So that will include um, a lot of the data. Um, it'll include you know, the school location. It'll include the type of school. It'll also include those 100-word snippets about why they want the visit um, as well. And part of what we hope will happen when we put that map up is one, we hope the map will continue to fill, which we expect it will. Mm-hmm. But we also hope that, you know, friends of the show and other friends out there on social media, they see that and they say, oh, wow, that school's in my neighborhood. Or, you know, my grandkid goes to that school. And maybe nice. that might inspire them to, you know, donate to the cause to help, you know, make that cost more affordable mm-hmm. for the school as well. So, um, yeah, we're excited to launch that part of it very, very soon. I've been stalking social media. I've been looking for it. So <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> All right. Well, it'll be out in May, I promise. Well, awesome. Peter, we're challenging you to uh, get the get the bus rolling, as they say in uh, in Australia. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just add it to my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should do that. I'm looking at Connor. I'm like, Connor knows people with money. We're gonna make this happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. So, what is it like? What does it cost? Like, if you were put pen to paper, what does it cost to get one of these things off the ground? That would, I, I have not, honest to God, I have not looked at the actual final total value because it's really hard to quantify because of how we did it, right? So, you know, when a company says, oh, we'll give you these and like, don't worry about the paperwork, we're just going to give them to you, right? Yep. So, you know, some of our stuff has an actual dollar value attached to it and others, we have no idea what the value is because people just donated it. Same with like labor, sure, right? You know, some of us, we've gotten pretty much reduced labor from everyone, free labor from a lot of folks as well. Um, yeah, I think the, the, what I would say about the big item, so the bus itself is not the, the big ticket item you might think it is. It's actually pretty cheap. Um, we got ours for free, but I think it was like less than 10 grand because it's an older bus. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the solar was probably a, a bit, but again, we got that for free. So I'm sure you, 
I'm sure there's other renewable energy partners out there in other states that would be keen to do this kind of work um, as well. So those are the two big kind of cost items. And then the rest, like I said, the tech, it was just from other projects we had for the most part. We didn't buy a whole heck of a lot of new stuff. Um, you know, most of that tech was from other projects and, and then some donations from other companies and things like that. Um, and then, like I said, the student time, you know, that was a big part of it, the labor of like building, painting, all that. So my time and the student's time, um, you know, that was, I, I don't think I have a quantifiable number for that, but that was a pretty significant amount of labor um, as well. And something else I'm thinking about, I mean, there's a lot of companies out there, you know, mine included that, you know, may have some, I don't want to say old drones because the technology is advancing so rapidly. So what's three years old could be looked at as being old now. Ancient. Some, Ancient, yeah. some, in some <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So the, there's a lot of companies that have these old drones sitting on the shelf because they've purchased mm -hmm. the latest and greatest. And I'm sure that you would love to have those old drones donated to the cause. Um, we would absolutely love that. And, and I can tell you another way that would really help is, you know, we're really cognizant of the fact that, you know, we're going to introduce all this great technology, especially to maybe schools that have, you know, high financial need, they're going to get excited about it. And then what's going to happen, we're going to leave. Right. So that's, that's not cool. Right. And so, you know, you want to get kids excited about the tech, but then you take the cool tech away. So, you know, those types of partnerships are huge because then you can also, you know, think about sort of like a GeoBus donation program where, you know, maybe that school gets one of those older drones, you know, as a, as a commitment to kind of expand the learning beyond an initial GeoBus visit as well. So we have been thinking about those kind of, you know, a more rental kit model, but then mm. also maybe some longer term donations um, as well. So like that school I just mentioned, the high school students, we went with, they actually have a few of our mini drones um, on site at the school that were donated as part of the grant we have as well. Um, so I think, you know, stuff like that is really, um, really impactful and, and can really matter. So yeah, if there's companies out there that want to do that, let us know. We'd love to talk. No, I think that's a huge space because I know that like mm -hmm. computers are a big oh, yeah. topic, mm -hmm. especially in the last five years and probably between five to 10 years ago, like a lot of technology shifting towards getting laptops in, in schools. And so I, I wonder if that's a huge thing that, uh, GIS equipment and those type of things and the technology sure. like drones. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's a write-off, right? For these corporations or these yep. companies. Yes. Totally tax deductible. Yes. That's right up Connor's alley. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. But I'm, you know, just, man, from a corporate sponsor perspective, and if you're in the geospatial industries, I mean, man, oh man, is there, is there a, is there a better place to, uh, to put your money and, and your products? I, I can't imagine. Absolutely. I mean, one, it's, it's driving everywhere, right? It's, it's free advertising wherever we go. And mm -hmm. then um, as you all know, we're pretty social media uh, heavy users. So we're always out there on social media. We are really into um, not hiding our partners. We want them to be uh, front and center in everything we do as our drivers of change. So, you know, if there are partners out there, big or small, let us know. We'd love to chat. Um, this is for the kids. It's it's for the next generation of our field. So let us know how how you want to help. However, that might be. We'd love love to have more partners. Well, how many partners has he already shouted out on here? And we didn't even we didn't even purposely plug him. He's like, <laughs> I like him. I'm like, hey, we gotta get behind this. Yeah, you know, my mom taught me when I was a kid, and she's here visiting this week. Her and my dad, and and she taught me a very simple lesson. It was on birthdays and graduations, and she goes, you can't spend your money until you write the thank you note. 
And uh, today, as 41-year-old dude building a geobus, <laughs> I still remember that, right? Always thank you people, right? So yeah. continuing to just celebrate our partners because without them, it wouldn't happen. And you mentioned like the price tag earlier, Kent. Um, that was the other piece of advice we give people is don't be afraid of like how much you think this might cost. Right. Because I can tell you the amount of money, the amount of actual cash we had to start this was not anywhere near what you need to make this happen. And somehow it all worked out, right? And I think that's the key is you start building it with, with whatever you have and you get those partners, you put it out there on social, it'll happen. Like we, we made it happen. It can happen anywhere, I promise. Yep, yep. And I have no doubts. And then of course, having the backing of yourself and your team that have been through it and have already, you know, learned the, the mm. lessons the hard way, um, you're already, you know, steps ahead of, uh, of where you were, what, two, three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you feel like over the last couple of like year or two, like, you know, getting this off the ground and those type of things is like people have been excited because they get to have a say in like what's being educated then. Cause I know that's a hot topic in, in the American society right now, but like, do you think that it feels like at the right time to start? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, so many, I, I don't want to say COVID is the right time for anything, but yeah. I, I have to say that, you know, there's been a combination of things that feels like it, it's the right time for this. So, so one is, you know, the, I mentioned earlier, the idea of like the, the, the academic world connecting more with the industry world. Right. And before we maybe didn't have that as much as we are starting to see. So that was part of it. The second is like, that moment where COVID shut us all down, right? We're all coming coming slowly back or some of us a little more quickly, right? There's that moment now where schools are, are opening back up to visitors and things like that. That's getting everybody excited for that moment. And then that third part in, and sort of to your point, Connor, about like, you know, being a part of like that education and that lesson plan and things like that. There's just, there's so much interest I've seen from teachers and making sure that they're, they're connecting what they do for like state content standards and testing to the real world because they know they have to do that, right? To, to pay the bills, to keep the school open, to keep everybody happy. But they know the real, the real hard core learning, the impactful learning is coming from the stuff that has impact and matters to the kids, right? And that's not on a test, right? It's, it's field work, it's projects, it's problem-based learning, right? So having, having all these folks come together and say, you can use my company's tech to help with this, right? You can use my idea in this lesson plan. It's just, it's that perfect moment, right? Where everybody's getting excited to kind of support the kids in this really deep learning um, to kind of move things forward. Interesting. Yeah, before we let you get out of here, one of the things that sticks out in my mind from the last time that we chatted with you, episode 99, just refresh everybody's memory. Um, you know, we talk about all the time return on investment. And the one thing that, you had brought up that I use all the time is the return on objective. How has that looked for you? The return on objective. Remind me again, your return on objective slogan. I was trying to think about this. What do you mean again on the return on objective? So that was, if you remember right, we discussed, um, you know, your intent. So like the return on the intent versus the return on investment. You're not talking about monetary returns. We're talking about, you know, returns in stories of success. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing, and I mentioned this on the, on episode 99 is for us, this wasn't about, you know, we talked all about a bus and all the fancy tech. It wasn't about the bus, right? It was about what the bus represents. It was the why, the mission, right? And so for us, it's, it's that the mission is 
driving science's next generation, puns intended and all, but this sure. notion that, you know, we want to get them excited about the tech. We want to get them excited about being scientists. We want to get them excited about being explorers. So that return on the objective is seeing all of that happen, right? It's, it's seeing the teachers get excited about what we represent. It's, it's seeing the kids getting first excited about the tech that we have on the bus, but then seeing how excited they are about using it to solve the problems they care about, right? So like, for example, we were talking with some school kids the other day, they were talking about like mapping trash on their school using the <laughs> GPS units and iPads. I mean, we wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah. these kids are like, yeah, trash is a problem. We can map it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's do it. We were talking to one about like, oh, you know, the car line and drop-offs are terrible. Maybe there's a better way to route that around the school. Maybe we can map that with you. I mean, they're coming up with ideas, right? And so that return on objective, the way you're thinking about it, Kent, for me is, is again, that they're taking that tech, they're taking that thinking and they're applying it to their lives and that real world. And that that's what it's about, right? It's it's developing that interest in lifelong learning um, and excitement for using the tools and the tech to do really cool stuff that matters to these kids. Yeah, as you can see, I can't stop smiling. I think I got the chills there. I mean, it's just, it's so cool what's happening. Geo tingles. Yeah, geo tingles. I love it. Oh, love that one. Trademark that. I stole that from Joseph Kursky of Esri. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Dr. K. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, PETA, you got anything else? No, I'm excited. I have to work up some kind of business plan and get a bus to happening down here on top of everything else that I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, well, Tim's got the business plan. You got to fill in the blanks. That's all. Well, yeah. People, <laughs> I need people. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's always a challenge. How about you, Connor? You got anything? I just love I love what he's doing. I mean, it's it's one of those yeah. things where like you know he talks about like having the the kids like give the ideas and those type of things. And like, I think that's what we lose sometimes on the, uh, like in workplace and those type of things. Like we, we have an intern right now that sits under me. He's 20, just turned 20, like last week. And the kid has brilliant ideas and he's immersed in this new technology through the university and all these things. And I'm like, like I, I and I'm only a couple of years out of university in that sense, but like it's the kids are just brilliant. And I, I've got to like always keep that in mind. And so no, I, I think it's awesome that he's on. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Tim? Is there anything else that we haven't uh, touched on you want to get out there? I mean, the biggest thing, you know, like I was saying earlier is keep paying it forward community. I mean, all you geoholics out there, whether it's building Geobus 3 through 10 with us or, or with your partners, or if it's just, you know, going to your kid's school, um, just make it happen, right? Pay it forward. Um, you know, Kent, you were talking about losing a mentor. I'm so sorry about that. It reminded me of some of my mentors and that's why we do what we do, right? It's mm -hmm. it's to be the, the mentor that we had, right? And to pay that forward. So anything this community can do to support the next generation of it, go out and make that happen, my friends. That's what it's all about. Yep, very well said. I could not have uh, said that better myself and uh, just do something, do something. And I'm gonna challenge everybody out there listening. I am bought into this movement, hook, line and sinker at this point. Connor and I are gonna figure out a way to get a freaking geo bus here in Arizona. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep you updated on that. All right. Joe bus three, Arizona, you heard it here. It's on the recording. So it has to happen now. <laughs> hey, that's right. Once, once <laughs> you say it, <laughs> yeah. Once you say it, you're accountable. Yep. So no wonder, question. wonder if we can get my mentor to do it. I guess my, one of my mentors is coming on here soon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Not we'll, to uh, we'll close the deal <laughs> for sure. All right, Tim. Well, Hey, thanks again for being here. Um, you know, kudos to you and your team for everything that you've done. I'm, I, I couldn't be more excited. And 
as, as I said, after, after hearing, hearing everything you shared with us this evening and seeing what you've done with this, I, uh, I'm amped. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to do everything I can to get one of the things going in Arizona. No question. And I know, I know a guy over in, uh, up in uh, Vegas, I think he might have some oh, input yes. on that. Mm. Mr. Keenan. Is that, is that our uh, Diamondback studio plug again? <laughs> exactly. Twice free plug. Don't, don't get used to it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, hey, um, with that, I, I, I believe we're uh, wrapping a bow on this one. Thanks again, Tim, for your time. Adding value and making friends. That's what it's all about. Thanks again for listening to our loyal friends of the program, just like Safety Apparel for believing in us. Be sure to mention you're a geoholic when you reach out to them. Exclusive listener promotions with every single one of them. Download the Geoholics app with from LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any content ideas or like to be a guest on a future show. Last but not least, pay it forward. Add value, make friends. Garth Brooks ain't going down until the sun comes up. Available everywhere. Until next time, extend a hand to someone. Help them. And most importantly, be safe and healthy. Rest in peace, said Reader. Love you, man. Thank you to our 2022 friends of the program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz. Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com. Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com. North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com. ProStar Corporation, prostarcorp.com. Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us. Topodot, new.certainty3d.com. And finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.